Hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons. And this is Shelly Nelson. Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast, where we interview successful visionaries and leaders, giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations. Today, we're welcoming James Gray to the show. Currently, James is the Chief Information Officer at Reef, where he builds, operates, and governs world-class data capabilities that power the Reef ecosystem. He is a seasoned executive with over three decades of experience envisioning, building, and operating software products and mission-critical platforms from startups to large organizations such as Microsoft. Throughout his career, he's held diverse roles and developed expertise across data, leadership, product management, artificial intelligence, IT operations, consulting, software engineering, and sales. He's also a podcast host of Career Strategy Coach, where he helps people find work they love to reach their full potential. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks for having me. James, it's great to have you on the show. Really excited about this. If you would, please share with our listeners a little bit more about Reef and your role there. Sure, I'd be glad to. And it's a pleasure. This question of what is Reef, right? We're a very adaptable company. You know, we've got focus in a couple areas in terms of lines of business, but our purpose is all predicated around building the ecosystem that connects the world uh, to your block. So what does that mean? We're really in the business uh, and our value proposition around proximity, where we make the place you live, the place you love to be. And some examples around that is that we're the largest parking operator in North America. We've got a number of brands that were acquired over the course of a number of years and parking and bringing people together around densely populated areas is a capability of proximity. The other one that, you know, we've grown significantly in North America, the UK, in the UAE is around bringing our ghost kitchens business to uh, close proximity to neighborhoods. So if you've ordered uh, food on any of the delivery platforms, such as DoorDash and Uber Eats, it could be that the brands uh, such as a Wendy's and many other brands that we do business with, it could be that that food is prepared in one of the reef kitchens in North America, UK, or in the UAE. So that's that's essentially our value proposition around bringing the world's curated list of goods and services close to the neighborhood. You mentioned ghost kitchens, and, and I'm familiar with it because I lost a bet to one of my kids about this Mr. <laughs> Beast thing. Right. But if you could, could you explain what that is? Because I'm not sure everybody is familiar with what a ghost kitchen is. I've gotten that question before. And when I talk about Reef, some people say, oh, well, hey, yeah, I actually saw that mobile unit either in a parking lot or in in an area of town. And we operate a couple different configurations of that. But essentially, it's a high-tech mobile unit that we place in some cases on our property parking areas uh, and properties that we refone to enable that to be in close proximity to, again, neighborhoods to deliver both retail goods, such as ice cream and soda and other things together with a lot of the brands that you know and love. And so we have a technology platform that allows us to tie into many different delivery platforms, uh, such as the ones you probably know, DoorDash and Uber Eats and others, 
where all of those orders come into this mobile, modular, and smart container that operates a specific set of brands. And in some cases, if you were to look at some of the facilities that we have, you're going to find kind of multiple of these units, in some cases, on a piece of property. And that's where the food gets prepared. What's interesting is, is you know, we're in close proximity to the neighborhood, but the other thing that is exciting is really the unit economics, right? The unit economics around being able to operate a mobile modular and smart containers, we call it. Obviously, it's a lot less expensive than if you were going to become a, a franchisee and you needed a, a building, right? That's generally multiple millions of dollars for an operator. The other thing that is unique is that, again, as I said, mobile, modular, and smart, that we can move these, these units in different areas to right drive the most revenue and value in serving these neighborhoods as well as the brands that we do business with. So we're not tied necessarily to a physical geographical location, but really using our data and our intelligence to best drive revenue for the company and serve and bring these best of these goods and services to these different locations. That's pretty awesome. When I hear this kind of stuff, like think about the this industry, I mean, didn't really exist a decade ago, right? Right. How, how long has Reef been around? It started uh, a number of years ago around the acquisition of a number of parking companies. But again, the, the purpose hasn't changed around the ecosystem that connects the world to the block. So what evolved from that? And certainly, you know, when COVID hit, there was a need, right, that, that people needed in close proximity, these goods and services, right? Because in many cases, right, you couldn't go to the grocery store or there was the, you know, having convenience to be able to tie into this. So it is a high growth area. And I think, again, this value proposition around proximity allows us to not only these different lines of business and parking and really in, in the ghost kitchens area, but but really evolve it where it makes sense to be able to operate other businesses if there is value to serve a, a community. I mean, it's a tremendous reuse of an already existing asset, right? I was having a conversation the other day about how many organizations specifically don't even bother to try and do the, the logistics of where to place their their locations at retail. They just follow the people that they think are really smart at it. Right. Right. I, I think about the flexibility and capability that this solution provides where you could be as smart, you could be as a as an operator, right, uh, right. who is a customer of Reefs, is you could be really a, a very fast follower of of some pretty amazing trends uh, based upon without without. And as a guy that works, I've owned a couple of businesses, and signing leases is is not a value added behavior, right? right. So it's just risk, and it's it's you're going to pay. Uh, whether your business is working out or not. So the idea that you can leverage this asset uh, that Reef is operating, and uh, it's a tremendous business opportunity. I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I, it is. And, you know, one of the things that we've evolved to and we've seen, right, is going to and evolving to a, a product-led company, right, where it's really our product capabilities that allow us to scale and grow the business around revenue. And so one of the trends that we've seen is that when I say in the early days, like, you know, a couple of years ago, and, and even, you know, over the last year, 
a lot of the facilities, it's been reef-owned and operated properties. And that's been transitioning to this capability operating on other people's real estate. So if you own a piece of real estate and you want to increase the value of that real estate, tying into the reef network allows you to do that very, very easily is, is one. And then we do have other models that allow companies to use our technology platform, but they run the operations, right? So I think in the early days, when I say early days, right, it was only a couple of years ago, but people didn't believe us that this was a viable model. So what we needed to do at Reef, we actually needed to, to do everything. We needed to run all the operations, you know, hire all the people, which we still do, obviously, in many locations. But, you know, when you think about growing as a company and you think about uh, revenue and products, our product capability is really critical to allowing us to scale and offer different value propositions to different scenarios and, and even brands who don't have maybe physical presence in certain areas or certain parts of the world. Similar to the deal we did with Wendy's where we brought Wendy's to different regions in North America and in the UK based upon leveraging our proximity capability. That's awesome. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting and innovative product solution and how much you've taken in you know, gone vertical and horizontal of like, right? It's its own SaaS solution, it's its own product, uh, and it's also something that from a network and a platform. And I'm not talking about technical platform, right? Actual platform of like, there's a network and community that people can tie into. What was the biggest challenge to take an organization that, and maybe this was just part of the DNA, and forgive me if I'm making some bad assumptions here. I guess I'll start with that. Uh, I'll check that assumption. Was the organization really this entrepreneurial? Because it seems like it just is ready to spread wherever opportunity is found. Yes, I would agree with you, right? It's a very entrepreneurial company. Obviously, a lot of the founders are from that DNA. We have a, a set of values inside the company that I think reinforce our, our spirit of a company to be entrepreneurial, to adapt, to grow, to be hungry. We have these values and I'll just kind of read them quickly. Show up, be bold, be curious, show grit and be true. And, and those are really foundational to the culture that has evolved in the company to adapt and really go after these unique opportunities that we believe we have and, and are unique to the company. I just uh, completely out myself and my bias around people who operate parking facilities, right? You, I think I've fallen, I would assume, and obviously uh, wrongly, that it would be a little bit more of a take real estate kind of mentality of like, we're going to own corners, we're going to own, right? But clearly looking at it completely from a different perspective, which is probably why you guys are crushing it, right? So uh, I do think it's, it's very interesting when we look at where some of the, the big opportunities that do exist, it's things that, as Bezo said, well, you know, we're always there, right? Like, you know, everybody's looking for like cool technology solutions, but there's the things that don't have a technology investment are generally the bigger opportunities where nobody's really put too much into it is, you know, like you think about Uber, right? Like who would have thought taxi cabs would have? Yeah needed a startup, right? Where roll the tape back and it's like, no, it's over legislated. It's not very interesting, but 
And uh, as a guy who lived in Chicago for all my adult life, uh, cabs were always kind of a bane of my existence, right? And then Uber kind of changes changes the, the tone on that. So, Sure, yeah. And it's given this opportunity for us to test out and be innovative around, again, leveraging our capabilities and real estate together with these different applications that we have, such as our kitchens and retail business, right, to, to really prove out these different ideas and become a platform that allows, you know, not only Reef to operate an ecosystem, but it certainly allows, you know, other entrepreneurs to tie into our platform and do that at a cost of, of buy-in that's significantly less than if you were to own a physical uh, brick and mortar store that you couldn't move, right? Yeah. I mean, the the risk mitigation alone on long-term engagements, right? Where it's like, I'm going to try for a little while. And even like you could start doing some, like anybody could, right? Like the, the ability to start doing some seasonality pattern matching of like, hey, you can start fishing in so many different parts of the lake that before it's like, nah, I really think this pier is where we're going to like make it all happen for the rest of my life. And uh, that's, that's a huge risk, right? That's a huge risk. And you never know when somebody's going to move their football stadium from downtown to, I don't know, maybe Arlington Heights, <laughs> right? And dramatic impact. Well, the ironic part is there's a soccer, uh, professional soccer field not far from uh, my house. And the soccer team doesn't play there anymore, but I was driving by and the huge investments in a lot of those retail buildings that were there really, really hoping to, to latch on to, mm-hmm. to the revenue flow coming from those games. And I just, I do, I feel bad for them where it's, uh, and this is, this is a tremendous opportunity to, to leverage already existing infrastructure. So it's just, it's such an interesting space. So this model that you're doing, was this in play pre COVID? It was, yeah, it, it certainly was. And I think um, COVID obviously accelerated the need to serve again, these, these different neighborhoods with goods and services that uh, were in close proximity. And so we certainly saw an acceleration of, of this capability. And as we proved the business model, obviously we were able to grow the number of brands that we did business with. In the early days, right, we, we bootstrapped it with reef brands, brands that were built by the, the company. And as we proved the business model around the economics and the ability to serve these neighborhoods with goods and services, that allowed us to grow the portfolio of brands uh, to many, many different other companies to allow us to prepare and deliver food for that particular brand. It would seem to me that this type of organization, you know, you've been with uh, Reef for a a little bit, about a year and a half. Right. And you've worked at a lot of really amazing organizations. You know, for an organization that is able to operate in, in such an aggressive fashion. Is there lessons learned on the people that you need to bring in, uh, the folks that you're looking for? Is there something different about them outside of being technically competent, obviously, or even exceptional? But is there something uh, you're looking for when you're you're looking to add the who's to your team? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question, right? Because we all know the people you bring into the organization is is really critical. And as you said, like if we go beyond just, okay, do they have the right technical skills to be in a technology organization? You know, I mentioned these five values that we have of, you know, showing up, being bold, being curious, showing grit, and being true. 
And so one of the key things to being successful in, in our organization is the ability to adapt because we're adapting all the time, right? So if you want to be at a company where it's all figured out and there's clear processes and there's not a lot of change that's going on, then, then Reef wouldn't be a good fit for you. But if you really want to be a part of an organization that knows how to adapt, that knows how to go after a different opportunity and you know has the spirit to know that we are a growth company and our ability to kind of adapt and deliver and focus around the most important priorities around the, the company. I think the, um, you know, in addition to these values and, and ensuring that they have that, just that ability to adapt is probably one of the most important aspects of being successful at Reef. One of the questions that I'm interested to see how you handle uh, a situation such as, I think a lot of people, when they hear core values, especially when you're recruiting and you're hiring them, you're bringing them in, you, you tell them the core values, you reinforce it. And, and I think they are, a lot of people say, yeah, that's me. And sometimes that's not true, right? It's aspirationally what they want to be. And so, especially in a growing and adapting company, you must have situations where somebody is not really fitting the core values as well as you would hope, or maybe I always think there's, there's chance to coach core values. Some people say that's not possible. I, I think there's, I think people, sometimes you've got a little bit of experience from previous organizations that they've kind of got to get clean of a little bit, but at the same point in time, how do you address those situations where working for a quickly growing company or rapidly adaptable company that is fun for people who enjoy that type of stuff. And it's really not fun for people who don't. What do you do in those situations when you, you've got somebody who had a, a mismanaged expectations? And this happens in every business. There's always a mismanagement of what I thought it was, what I thought I was joining. But I'd really love to get your ideas on like, what is your strategy? What do you do in that scenario? Is there something that you think is really successful? I think it's a great question. You know, I think. Um... If we get at, at the root, the technique that I use is really understanding what are the needs of us as professionals and having someone really articulate their vision for their own career, the things that they need to be successful, the types of work that they would love to kind of work on would be one. Because I think we, a lot of times we don't understand or employees don't easily articulate what they want, right? And, and we all have our own aspirations of the work that we want to do and the culture we want to fit into. But my experience is a lot of times people have a hard time articulating that for whatever reason. Maybe they don't feel like they should be managing their career as a, as a, as a product and being clear and communicating that. So I think that that's, I think that that's one. And uh, you know, really focusing around the individual's needs, because if you can align that with the needs of the company, then right, you've created magic. It's one plus one equals three type thing. So I think there's the needs of the specific person and their needs and aspirations and visions for their career and what they need to be successful. And then what are the needs of the organization in that particular role to provide outcomes and value and, and really looking at in the intersection, is there a good overlap or is there just not a mismatch, right? And you know, I've had those conversations at Microsoft and at Reef and all these different companies, 
And, you know, what's important is to have that conversation. And if you come to the conclusion where it's just not a good mutual fit, how do you then work through that? That's great for the particular person and really good for the company. So I think just open, honest conversations is really the the bedrock around, you know, working through those and understanding, are there some things that the employee needs to be successful? Are there some things that you're not doing actually as a leader to create the right environment, culture, and resources to enable them to be successful? So it's probably a combination of, of both of those. And then, you know, working together around, hey, do we part ways? And if so, right, how do we do it in a way that allows you to transition on and not negatively impact the business that we're running? It's tremendous. I, I think you've you got a great ability and vision. I think, uh, obviously, you're a successful leader. Uh, and I think that's really great advice for all of our listeners that to take action, not to scold, but to understand, right? I think a lot of people hesitate to have what they would consider uncomfortable conversation because they think they're going to start with the blame, shame, hold accountable instead of the ask questions, discover, really diagnose the problem more than start distributing the medicine. Yes, I would agree. And I think, you know, one of the things that's really important for a leader, right, together with any of the folks who work in your team is to be clear about like, what are the outputs that they being held accountable for, right? So it, it's not this fuzzy thing around, am I being successful or not, right? And so being able to have those well-defined and, and metrics and, and reviews around those specific outcomes and metrics that we all have for each of our jobs of what are the measures of success and then having those just open on, on our conversations, right? Because most people want to be successful in the role. They do need some help of leaders to do that. They do need, obviously, to deliver on their outcomes. Um, but if it comes where it's just not a, a fit, my style is let's just make that a topic of conversation versus let's just not kind of throw it under the rug and pretend it doesn't exist, right? Because I think you know we need to respect everybody in the company in terms of dignity and as leaders, putting the right people on the field to create the most value. It's great. I totally agree. Curious, James, just over the past year and a half, what's kind of been the biggest surprise for you just from a business perspective? I don't know about surprise, but certainly the growth of the company, there's been a number of acquisitions, right? We went from North America into the UK, into the UAE. And I, I think that's been, that's been really exciting. I think uh, to support a growing business, there was obviously capabilities that we needed to mature as a company. When I first joined, I was focused around our data infrastructure, our master data program, our data warehousing program, and being able to mature that and realize that some of those capabilities just need to really, that are just foundational to the operations of the company. And so, yeah, I'd say just really our, our ability to adapt and grow and have this entrepreneurial spirit and uh, in some cases prove the naysayers wrong that, you know, we have a, a viable business model that is allowing us to really, again, bring the ecosystem that connects the world to block and in different geographies and in different use cases. That's great. So looking forward to 2023 and, uh, you know, I know you've got that crystal ball. <laughs> so I would appreciate if you mind sharing with us, like, what, what do you see as biggest opportunities, maybe some of the bigger challenges 
when you look into the next year? What gets you excited? Uh, well, I mean, there's 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 a lot of unknowns out there, right? For any business, right? I think that's obviously one big thing that every company is is looking at and, and adapting to. Certainly, in our business, um, you know, our kitchens business, inflation obviously heavily impacts the bottom line, food cost, labor cost, and so our ability to really optimize those and. And then being able to optimize our supply chain and our labor and our allocation and our forecasting, all of those are really, really critical capabilities because those things are, in some cases, outside of our control, right? So it's really important that we've got both technical capabilities and processes that allow us to mitigate that. You know, in, in terms of things to be excited for, I'm super excited about the growth of our company, the fact that we have a, a viable business model. And as I mentioned, really kind of a mix of our value proposition, where in many, a lot of the cases, it was reef owning and operating everything to really enabling these different scenarios that allow people in different companies or entrepreneurs to really leverage our, our platform. So I think we've made a lot of great progress around our, our product capability, right? Building internally and being very strategic about what are the things that we build inside the company and our product team and our engineering team. I think there's there's lots of things that we've done and will continue to do around making that platform scalable and enable that to really operate across the world. There's all kinds of opportunities around, you know, kind of on our inside of IT around things that we're doing to ensure people are productive with their compute and their mobile experiences. And, you know, we also operate a cloud infrastructure. We, we're on multiple clouds and we run it worldwide. And so it's it's really exciting. This is more from a, a tech perspective, right? Uh, but being able to optimize our, our infrastructure, being able to optimize, or again, our, our cost to provide, allow us, you know, to focus around unit economics from a technology perspective so we can really grow and, and be profitable as a company. It's interesting to me that organizations that are entrepreneurial and high functioning from like an execution standpoint, understand that changes is opportunity, right? That it's, sure. it's really, they almost get excited about it. Like the table's going to get flipped again. Somebody's got to pick up the pieces of the puzzle and put it back together. And really it's going to be the people who can execute in a little bit, be aggressive, be aggressive in those types of environments. Is that how you feel about where you're at? And with where Reef is at? Yes, very, very much so. And again, I go back to the values here of one of them is be bold. And it's about dreaming big and going and getting it. And so very much so, right? And I think that's obviously the ability to adapt and go after these markets certainly puts us in the tech organization, you know, in a position to support that. So that's both the challenging and exciting as well that when our our business pivots or adapts and shifts or takes advantage of new opportunities. Obviously, our technology team needs to be behind that to support this. That's awesome. James, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast here today. Congratulations on all your success. Congratulations on, on all the success at Reef. Uh, you're obviously a tremendous leader. And thank you for sharing uh, so much of your wisdom and your experience with our listeners today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. We also wanted to thank our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us. 
And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32.